Greetings, I am Minister Fred Ferguson, and I am here, uh, honored to be here to share God's word with you uh, today in place of Pastor Jones, who is away for much needed rest um, and vacation. And so I pray that uh, today God will use our time in his word uh, to strengthen his people and give us uh, what we need in, as we navigate through these uh, challenging times that we have recently been thrown into, but not left in without our comforter and, of course, the promise that our God is with us. So with that being said, I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 12 and look at um, what I believe to be a familiar passage. And I'm going to assume a passage that may has, have seen um, a lot more attention within these past months, given, again, the, the situation that we've been experiencing. So with that being said, uh, Luke chapter 12, I want to start in verse 22. And uh, this is God's word. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Amen. My God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. We, we read here and we're met by the words of Jesus. Um, I would even venture to say the command of Jesus and his exhortation to not be anxious. And it carries a lot of weight with it. And this passage can be interpreted in many different ways by many different people in an attempt to find comfort or in an attempt to maybe escape the command in the words of Jesus here to not be anxious because their life is filled with a lot that they think they should worry about. But I think if we look closer and we, we dive deep deeper into this word and we look at the context surrounding it, we'll uncover um, a great privilege and a great promise that, that Jesus gives us not to hinder us, but to add to our quality of life here and our characters as people who are being shaped into the very image of Jesus who speaks these words. And so in giving this command, I want to look at what Jesus says about not being anxious, because clearly that's the theme of this portion of the passage. And it's not easy to miss, but sometimes it is hard uh, to grab the full weight of what's being said, uh, to take it in and to grow from it and embrace it and experience true peace and freedom from it. So we'll look at what Jesus said about not being anxious. And I think in giving that command uh, and looking at this passage, we'll see three things that comes with that command. In saying that, Jesus, number one, gives the range of this command. 
and defines it. He also gives us warning through this command. But then finally, Jesus doesn't leave us there to ourselves. Um, thank God. The third thing, he gives the motivation to pursue this command. So Jesus gives the range of this command. He gives us a warning through this command. And then he gives us the motivation to pursue this command and exhortation. And so we'll first look at Jesus giving the range of this command. And I think we can attest to the fact that in anything we do, it's always good to know limitations and boundaries, the limits that we operate in, whatever that may be. And the first thing that comes to mind to me as I thought about this um, was when I was a teenager and I, I got my first license. Now, I wasn't a full-fledged driver's license, but it was restricted. It was my restricted license. And when that was handed to me, it wasn't given alone. I was also given the limits that that license restricted me to. So I couldn't take the car out 12 o'clock at night to the beach with just those restricted license. But what I could do was drive to, to work and drive to school unaccompanied gave me those limits. But also I think about the driving privileges themselves. My brothers and myself, when we were teenagers, um, we, we got to a point in a period where we liked to wash our parents' car. And it wasn't because uh, we, we were just trying to do something nice for them. A lot of times uh, we got to drive the car around the corner to knock the water off of it before we drive it. But with that privilege, and when we, even when we got older and we were actually given the privilege to go out, we were handed limitations with that as well. We were told how late we could stay out and how far we could go until we had to come back. And so I think it's only right to ask as Jesus hands us this privilege to not have to worry, that we ask, well, to what extent are we not to worry? Are there any limits that Jesus is setting on us with this privilege that he gives us to not be anxious. Is Jesus' command to not be anxious limited to specific areas and situations in our lives? Is it limited to certain people who have certain occupations? Well, Jesus answers that, and he gives us the range to his command. And it starts right there at the beginning of verse 22, where he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious first about your life. In an attempt to kind of figure out those boundaries ourselves. Some people may go and you may want to look at the original word. Well, what does he mean by life? We may look at the Greek and the word translated here is a word that is sometimes translated soul, a self or being in other passages. Um, but looking at that, there's no way to escape it. I believe Jesus is telling us exactly what he means. Don't worry about your life. And I think that that's the case because if we continue to read, we see Jesus flesh that out. He says, don't worry, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat. And as we think about that, Jesus gives us an example of one of the most essential things that is necessary for human life. Now, it's easy for us to sometimes uh, put our wants um, high on a, a list of priorities and, and sometimes feel like our wants are needs. We, we want the ideal house that fits our comfort and our taste. We want 
to be in a certain tax bracket and have a certain amount in our, our bank accounts. Uh, we want to have a reliable vehicle that's comfortable with AC. And some people who are less fortunate, they just want four wheels to get them from point A to point B. But Jesus doesn't highlight the things that we, we want that seem important. He goes to what is essential. He goes to a need. Humans need food. And yet Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat. Do not be anxious about the very thing that is essential to human life. He's given us the range. How far are we not to be anxious and not worry? Don't worry about anything concerning your life. Then he also goes on in verse uh, 22, nor about your body, what you will put on. And so Jesus is telling us not to worry, not only about the essential things that have to do with our life, but even those important temporal things outside of us that we still do require on this earth. And in doing that, Jesus is setting the range to this promise to not, that we don't have to be anxious. And the range is very clear in saying, don't worry about your life nor anything that had, that's essential for it. And don't worry about your body or any other temporal thing that is important while you're here on this earth. Jesus is telling us that we don't have to worry about anything. The privilege that he gives us to not worry extends to every single area of your life. And it's with everything that has to do with your existence. So Jesus, in giving us the command to not be anxious, he sets boundaries and a limit that is limitless. And he gives us the range. And we're not to be anxious about anything. But then I think with this command, Jesus is also... Um, giving us a warning. So the second thing that I think is clear here is that Jesus gives us warning through this command. Now, how does he do this? Well, he does it with one word. And again, it's back in verse 22. And it's the word, therefore. Jesus, by using that word, therefore, he's clearly connecting uh, the parable that he just told in verses 16 through 21 which the parable itself is an answer to a question that was asked in uh, verse 13. But nonetheless, we read uh, in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 16. And he told them this parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your body, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Therefore, do not be anxious. And I, I hope that you can recognize through Jesus' tone in that command that he's actually trying to safeguard us from something that he just illustrated in this parable. Now, if we can figure out the point of the parable, then it's going to be easy for us to figure out what Jesus' command 
is warning us of and against. So in this parable, we have a man who has accumulated um, great material wealth, and he goes about the business of uh, trying to figure out how to handle this great gain. So he plans. He plans some renovations to his land and his barns. He goes on to plan his retirement and even his vacation. But before he can even carry out one piece of that blueprint and one part of his plan, God calls him home and he dies. And his invitation to enter into eternity that God gives him addresses him as fool. God calls him a fool. Now, we got to be clear, he's not a fool because he was wealthy. The scriptures are clear that there's nothing wrong with being wealthy and being blessed with, with much on this earth. And he's not even a fool for having care and planning. God, nowhere in his command to not be anxious, is telling us that we are to be careless. But he is a fool because he's consumed with his earthly gain. And he was anxious and worried about the business of his treasure on earth while he totally ignored the things concerning heaven, his soul, and eternity. And that is what earned him the title fool. And so therefore, saints, because Jesus doesn't want you to be foolish like the rich fool, he gives us this command, do not be anxious about anything in his warning. So his warning to not be anxious, it's warning against two things as we see in the parable with this rich fool. First, there's a warning against idolatry. What the rich fool did was break the first law of God's command and he placed something else in the space that only God should occupy. And he, 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 he worships that which is given and created. Um, and so he does what many of us find ourselves doing. He begins to become an idol worshiper and uh, probably unaware of it. So Jesus is warning us to not participate in a worship of the idols in our lives that fight for his space and sometimes wins. But not only is he warning against our idolatry with the material things of this world that we have been blessed with, but Jesus is also warning us against bad theology. And that's what the rich uh, fool had. He had a very poor understanding of God's providential care for his people. And his theology was off. He ignored the providential care that God has given to his people that he was even, that he was even a recipient of. And we read about it, if we go back to uh, verse 16, it says that the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Jesus is very careful um, to identify the fact that this man was blessed. He doesn't mention that this man worked, or this man devised a smart plan of how to grow more crops that season. He simply says that the land, kind of leaving it up to, to, to the land itself, humanizing it and giving it uh, these human features of being able to produce. And I think that's a way of Jesus pointing out that this man didn't have to worry about anything. God provided the blessing of this land. In the end, 
Um, all of our efforts are nothing without God. And as much as this man may have done um, in the natural sense, Jesus shows that it was ultimately God who blessed him to prosper. And his, the land of the rich man produced plentifully. But the rich fool failed to see that and exercise bad theology. And in doing so, earned the title of fool. He cared about the earthly things above the heavenly. And Jesus is warning us today against those same things. So Jesus has given us this command to not be anxious. And he sets the range. And it's limitless. He says, don't worry about anything. But then he also goes forward and he he gives us this command to warn us, to warn us to not be like the rich fool, to not be idolaters, to not have and possess bad theology and ideas about God. He's a good God who loves us and will provide for his people. But finally, the last thing that I want to see as we uh, study Luke 12 today is that Jesus, through this command, we often know that it's easy to give a command. But it's hard, often hard for someone to, to carry that out. And while this isn't a, a command against a particular sin, um, nonetheless, Jesus is asking something of us that may seem hard to do and to accomplish within ourselves. Right now, there are many people because of the, the atmosphere of uncertainty. They are anxious and you may be worried about your economical situations and how you're gonna pay bills or the health of a loved one. And you may have even experienced great loss because of uh, the disease that has plagued us these past few months. But Jesus' command to us is still to not be anxious. His privilege that he's given us is that even in those hard things, you don't have to worry. And that's easier said than done and it's easy for a person to sit and tell you that, but it means nothing if there's no real way to actually go about doing it. And so Jesus knows this and glory be to God, our savior, he comes through yet again. And the third thing that we see is not only does he give us his command, but Jesus gives the motivation to pursue his command and what he is exhorting us to do. He gives us the motivation to not be anxious so that we can actually enjoy that promise. Um, and where do we see that at? Well, the fact that Jesus says it alone, number one, makes it not just advice, but truth. The fact that we don't have to be anxious coming from the lips of Jesus, because it comes from him, we know that he's, he's not pulling our arms. He's telling us something that can actually be true. And then he has some motivation that makes it not just theory, but practical and makes it possible for us to say that this isn't just a command, but it's a promise to us that we don't have to be anxious again about anything. So here's the motivation that he gives. And it starts in verse 23. And in verse 23, Jesus goes on to say that we are not to be anxious for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he, he goes on to flesh that even more. But before we move on, I want to I want to look at just that uh, verse in verse 23. And the first way that Jesus motivates us into uh, pursuing this promise and this command that he gives to not be anxious is because being anxious, Jesus is showing us is just plain illogical. Being anxious is ridiculous and it makes no sense. Again, in verse 23, Jesus says that life is more than food. 
and the body is more than clothing. Now, themes, theme parks have been shut down um, for a while, and some recently reopened. Um, but you may you may have sat and thought about the times when you were able to visit a theme park or even a fair. Um, and one thing that doesn't escape my mind is the line are the lines, the long wait times that you spend to get on just one ride at this theme park that a lot of times you have to travel miles and hours uh, just to, to get to um, being out of town. And I think to myself, you know, I'm standing here to ride this one ride when there's a whole park around me to enjoy. And I think about how illogical it sometimes seems um, to just stand there. And by the time you leave, you know, you only, everybody only got to ride one ride. Um, and in saying that, it's, it's a point that illustrates that it's illogical for us to do the same thing in our lives, to obsess about a particular situation or a single thing that we may think is important, but we obsess over that one thing when there's so much more to life and so much more going on around us that needs our attention and deserves our attention. Jesus is telling us that life is more than just food, the body more than clothing. There's more to life than the temporal things. There's more to life than even the essential things that we need for existence itself. And Jesus saying, is saying to us to worry about the one thing when there's so much more going on is just plain illogical. And in doing so, he motivates us to, to be rational like the image bearers made in the image, the very image of God, and to reason and to really think through. But then secondly, uh, when it comes to anxiety just being illogical, we got to think, if God provides for the, the lesser forms of creation, why would he not provide for the crown jewel of his creation? And we go on to read in verses 27 and 28, Jesus gives us another example. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And even before that, uh, we read that in verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor, sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Lesser creatures created for man, yet illogically, we think sometimes that God's eye is on them, and he's going to provide for them, those who don't even put in work, don't plan, don't labor, but somehow every day receive bread. And we think that God is going to bypass uh, the, the top of his creation. Jesus is telling us that being anxious is illogical. And then finally, another way that we see that we, we see God, Jesus' motivation to not be anxious because it makes no sense is, again, what he says in verses 25 and 26. Jesus says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Jesus is telling us that you, neither you nor your worries can change the very thing that you're worried about. You have no power. You have no, no control over anything ultimately. So what sense does it make to worry and to be anxious about something that we cannot control? Jesus is motivating us. 
And he's motivating us first by showing us that being anxious is illogical and just downright silly. And as we act illogically um, and we think illogically, anxiety grabs and it grabs a hold of us. But Jesus calls us from that. And by no means do we want to belittle anyone who um, experienced any kind of a clinical anxiety, which we think is is real. But we are talking about that anxiety that we um, face as mankind, um, that common anxiety and worry that takes up residence in us when we do like the rich fool, we we commit idolatry and we uh, we forget that God is in control. Um, and we look at the motivation that Jesus gives to overcome that. So he tells us, number one, uh, anxiety and worry is illogical. But his second factor of motivation, and I think the most important, is Jesus himself. Jesus is our motivation uh, to pursue that command. Jesus himself gives us what we need to hear his words and do not be anxious and trust in that promise and pursue it and in verse 26 it says if then you are not able to do a smaller th a thing as this is that why are you anxious about the rest and you see what jesus is doing there he's he considers adding time to someone's life a small thing and he asks us if you're not able to do a small things like this why, why how can you be anxious about the rest and we say a small thing well, to Jesus, it is. And so another motivating factor for overcoming anxiety is Jesus himself because he holds in his hands the power to transform time and space, to add life and take it away, to lay down his own life and take it back up. And as we, we close on this point, um, I want you to kind of go back to man's fall and what happened in, in Eden as Adam and Eve violated God's law. And a lot of people have different theories when it comes to the impact of man's fall and uh, the impact that it has on uh, the natural world and earth. Some people believe that man's fall not only transformed man himself and corrupted him and had an impact on him physically, uh, mentally, spiritually, but they also believe that that impact extended to the natural world around us, that animals began to behave differently and maybe um, grow distinct features that they didn't have before the fall, and that weather um, began to behave in a different manner than before. But Meredith Klein takes a different position when it comes to the idea of the impact of man's sin on the world. He doesn't believe that because of Adam's fall, the rocks grew sharper edges or uh, the tigers grew sharper teeth. He believed that those things were already here in this world. And what changed after man fell wasn't nature itself, but it was God's promise to hedge and protect man while in a world where there were things that could have posed a danger to him. But because of his relationship towards God and with God, uh, it just couldn't. And Meredith Klein's position is that after man fell, God's promise of protection was removed from him. And we kind of see that played out in Cain's response when God um, 
kicks him further out from him and from the garden. And Cain is worried that he won't be protected from those who would want to do harm to him for what he did to Abel. And God gives him a promise that it, it will be okay. He gives this, this sort of grace that he doesn't have to give and a promise to Cain that despite the fact that he deserves to be um, murdered in the same manner that he murdered his brother, God would see to it that no hand would be uh, laid upon him. And here we have Jesus pronouncing a blessing. He comes and he reverses the curse and he stands in front of his people. And instead of pronouncing that God's care and protection will be removed from them and they will be exposed to the thorns and thistles that will grow. And God wouldn't keep them from um, overtaking the garden. Instead, Jesus does the reverse and he says that you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. Despite all the, the trouble that's out there, despite everything that may threaten you, you don't have to worry. Because Christ has come and he's reversed the curse and he's given us the promise that the Father will care for us even more. He's fulfilled the full restoration of God's care for his people. And it's because of that that he can say with full confidence, do not be anxious. And it's because of that that we can believe his promise with full assurance and we can go out and we don't have to be anxious. It's my prayer that um, as we read the command and exhortation of Jesus here in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, that by his spirit, we will believe what our Savior has said. And by it, despite what's going on in this world, uh, we will be empowered to live like people um, who are marching towards a greater glory with peace that surpasses all understanding. Let us pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before you and we thank you for your word that you've given. We pray, God, that by the work of uh, your spirit, you will illumine and you have illumined the truth that is necessary for your people to grow. We pray, God, that if there is anything that would hinder us from receiving the promise that Christ has given us here in this passage, that you would intervene and you would step in, that it wouldn't block us, Lord, from the promises that you have to give us peace in times of trouble, to give us calm in times of storms. So bless your people now. Bless the ears of all those who hear and bless them to know that they do not have to worry about anything in life because Jesus has said so. It's in, in his name that we pray. Amen.